Welcome to Those Two Mums. We are your hosts, Rochelle and Maddie. We are just two regular girls winging our way through parenthood, our relationship, and life in general. Each week, we will be bringing you conversations that we feel just aren't spoken about enough, including IVF, pregnancy, parenthood, relationships, as well as shedding some light on the LGBTQ community. We will be the ones to normalise those tough and awkward topics and we hope that our conversations help you to feel seen, heard and more understood. No fussing, let's get into it. Hello Maddie. Hey Rochelle. Happy Tuesday everyone, welcome to episode 5. Now, before we get into this little intro, lap up Maddie's voice for the next however many minutes because she is actually not a part of this podcast episode today because I've got washing to do and I've got (laughs) (laughs) she's a busy girl and she just doesn't have time for it don't disappoint everyone (laughs) no we are talking about this week becoming a parent or entering motherhood as the non-birth mother. So this week I interview the beautiful Georgia and she is part of a same-sex couple living over in WA and we've become friends, you know, through social media and we've met and it was just such a good chat. And honestly, this episode is the entire catalyst for this whole podcast because This is something I really needed when we were going through our IVF journey and I was finding ways to bond with, you know, the baby and the pregnancy and and everything as the non-birth mother. So yeah, this is an episode that I really needed. I'm so passionate about this and Georgia does it so much justice. So you guys will absolutely love it because after I finished interviewing with her, I was absolutely frothing, wasn't I, Mads? (laughs) You've been gloating around the house like I was like should I be envious of this podcast because like the way you've been flooding around like a little schoolgirl, I'm just like okay ease up here pal but no you've been a lot more happier and I feel like you've had like a lovely debrief and you're feeling fresh and understood. It was a good chat but first before we get into this exciting episode hit me with your success disasters of the week Maddo. Okay um start with the horrible one the disaster first look we have our anniversary valentine's day your birthday my birthday Max's birthday all within a couple of months and the bank is starting to feel it so <laughs> that is my disaster Ooh, short and sweet i like it <laughs> yeah there's nothing to elaborate on except for i feel like there's just so many events i didn't realize how close everything is we had our anniversary and your birthday that was quite close but now it's like anniversary mother's day your birthday and it just like it it accumulates but anyways tax back is coming up guys so get don't, keen. Worry. <laughs> don't worry i'll technically get all the money back that i'm spending <laughs> and i think there was a lot of pressure for us to like think of good gift ideas and think of stuff to do and spend all this money and and then the events just started like piling on and piling on all like the special occasions I should say so we did make a pact that I don't know if we spoke about this last week anyway made a pact that every Mother's Day we're going to be buying a new pair of pajamas for each other so that's really simple non-expensive and just like it was kind of like a standard set that's just what we're going to do and we know that every year and P- yeah PJs and if we're feeling a little bit frisky we might even chuck some loafers in there as well <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> moving on to my success I have an iPhone that currently needs to be put on loudspeaker to have a conversation because for some reason the speaker doesn't work on my ear hole. So I'm walking in public with my phone on loudspeaker. Everyone's been a part of my conversation for the past however many months. And my beautiful fiance that's sitting beside me right now 
went out and bought me a new iPhone because she knows I wouldn't have done it myself because that's just not me to do that. And yes, and now no one has to listen to my conversations anymore. (laughs) Success. Including me. Thank Christ. (laughs) (laughs) It's you that I'm talking to all the time anyways. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're always like, what? Hang on. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So that's actually the reason I bought you the new phone. (laughs) Because she had the shits with like, (laughs) fair enough. I would have too. (laughs) All right. Slam me with yours. While I was out actually getting that new phone, that's funny that you said that, I went to the shops for actually an appointment and I get my eyes tested every year as we all should and I've been wearing contacts for a fair few years now slash glasses. I really want to get laser eye surgery but my eyes keep getting like worse and worse like my prescription keeps getting stronger and stronger so I'm not allowed to get laser until my eyes get stable or whatever I don't really know but the optometrist says no And every time I go there every year, it just feels like something else keeps happening. Like last year, I had to go to another specialist because there was something off. And when I went the other day, I said, oh, you know, like when I put my contacts in, it feels a little bit grainy in my eye. I don't know if there's something there, if you can have a look. And he said, oh, yeah, I can actually see there's a lump on your eye. Actually, funny you mention it, you got a lump on both eyes. And I was like, what the heck? And it's nothing. It's non-serious. It's just annoying. And now my contacts really irritate it. So he's kind of said, you know, you should wear your glasses more and first world problems, but you know, just work and night shift and the gym and daily life and contacts are just so much easier. And I think I was just really deflated this week. because I feel like every time I go to the eye doctor, something keeps happening and nobody likes, you know, and things anyway. But Macklin loves the glasses, so. Well, that's the other (laughs) annoying thing because every time I wear the glasses, Mac like pulls them off and she snapped my other pair. And so anyway, that is my disaster. disaster. But on a brighter note, my success is that Selling Sunsets came out last week. It, it only came out on Friday. I am obsessed with Selling Sunsets and more so particularly this season. If you don't know what Selling Sunsets is, you have to go onto Netflix and watch it. It's a reality real estate TV show, very binge worthy. I love it, but I love it even more because G Flip is on it this season. G Flip was my number one played artist of 2022. <laughs> I am obsessed and when she says obsessed she's not joking either the pout is out she is there with her wine twirling it twirling her hair vibing I'm sitting there going oh look at all that stuff we don't have (laughs) (laughs) me myself I'm not too much of a bougie gal and don't really care too much about that sort of stuff but I have been absolutely sucked in as well little do you know I am manifesting while I'm watching every single episode because you know Girl, we're going to get there. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) No, but I have binged the entire season six. So that is done. I'm very sad that it's, um, that I, you know, have finished all the episodes. But anyway, that was my success for the week. We will keep it nice and short uh, with Maddie. We do love you, Maddie. But for now, you must go because we have a very amazing and actually quite a long episode with Georgia. So. We hope you all enjoy this episode. Adios, amigos. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Hi, Georgia. Thank you so much for being here. Um, sorry in advance that Maddie's not here. She's the goods of the podcast. So I won't um, <laughs> live up to her expectation, but we'll do our best. And she won't be useful in this podcast anyway, really, because we're talking about becoming a mother as the non-birth parent. So I've mentioned this before, but I don't know if I've 
told you, but this was basically like the catalyst for wanting to start this podcast. When I was, when we were going through the IVF journey, I couldn't really find any information about being the non-birthing parent and kind of how you approach that and the the challenges and the things that you would have to deal with as the non-birth parent. And I had a lot of friends and family kind of asking me, you know, how are you going to bond with the baby? And have you thought about, you know, how you're going to feel when it comes to that? And I kind of was trying to search for things to find other people's experiences and tips and tricks that they had, but I couldn't find anything. So I was like, that's it. This is the reason I need to start this podcast, like purely for this episode. So thank you so Definitely. much for um, having a chat with me about it. Thank Before, you for having me. No, of course. Before we get into it, I'm going to ask you what your <laughs> success and disasters of your week are. <laughs> yep. Here we go. <laughs> All right. I'm first, am I? Okay. Yep. All righty. So we'll go, we'll go success first. We'll go success. So, um, Kayla and I have been working recently on working to fill our own cups. We've finally decided that we don't have two babies anymore now that Marley's past the one-year mark. I'm nearly at one and a half now. Um, so we've decided to start yeah, giving back to ourselves a little bit more. And this morning we decided to take on a family walk. We decided last night that's what's, that was what was going to happen. Um, so Marley woke up again, 4 a.m., bright and early, as always. Um, and Noah, she's our angel. She normally sleeps pretty well. But at 5.30 this morning, she decided it was time to start her day. Rather than sit on the couch and do nothing, we decided that's it. We're going to do it. We're going to go for our walk. So we made our walk. Like, it was an hour. It was a good hour. Stopped at the park half an hour through. Noah rode her bike the whole way. And everyone made it home in one piece. No tantrums. Everyone's happy. And, yeah, so that was our little um, success. Yeah, you have to whisper it. <laughs> Maddie will get very cranky if she hears you to nah, whisper it. <laughs> don't worry, Mads. I got it. I got it. Oh, and amazing. That is that disaster. Is oh, okay. Our disaster. On top of filling up our own cups, we've decided it's time to start fixing our house up and making it the way we want it. Once again, our children are older now. It's time for them to learn to like nice things like we do um <laughs> so we've been slowly working you know we've um got some new curtains done our got some new floors we've got our carpet sorted and we we're so excited to have our carpet installed today and they cancelled on us yesterday so that was pretty rough that's part one of the disaster and then part two <laughs> is that we are lucky enough to rent our fa- my father-in-law's house um Bruce he's a legend and he decided to come over and hang up some of the cupboards that we had bought for in the kitchen and on the last last drill through the wall, uh, he hit our water pipe, um, which sent water flying, because our house is quite small, probably about four metres wide, I reckon, flying directly at the wall behind us, all over the new curtains, almost on the new shelves, and almost flooded the bottom uh, story of our house. But luckily, he's a plumber and he has friends who do their thing. But um, yeah, so... The cabinet went up, there's a hole in the wall, and now we've just got more things to work on in the house. So that was our um, disaster. My goodness. <laughs> it honestly never stops, does it? When our friend, oh. when we bought this house, our friend said, you'll always find stuff to do. Like there'll never be not stuff to do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no way. Like once you're done, you're done. Mm-mm. That is not true. <laughs> oh, you you're poor never done. things. Well, I'm proud of you guys for filling up your cup. That's a huge thing. That's a huge step Massive, to take yeah. as parents. So sorry that it didn't work out, but New pipes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. New new cupboard, bang over the hole on the wall, everything's sorted. Carpet Beautiful. next weekend, we'll get there. <laughs> you can't you won't even be able to tell that there was a hole no. there. 
Exactly. <laughs> Not until you take it off. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, did you want to start with telling us a little bit about yourself and your, who's in your family? Uh, yeah, for sure. So obviously my name is Georgia. I'm from Perth in Western Australia. In my little family, I have my wife, Kayla, who we've been together for six years now. Uh, we have our three-year-old, Noah, who is our firstborn daughter. And then we had Marley. Oh my gosh, nearly a year and a half now. So Marley's our youngest daughter and she's nearly a year and a half old. So time flies well and truly. Oh, it absolutely does. You blink and they grow up, right? 100%. Yeah. And so who carried the two girls oh, in your yeah. family? <laughs> so Kayla's, Kayla's carried both of our girls. Um, mm-hmm. She has done the job perfectly. Uh, done that done the hard work (laughs) yeah she's done the hard work and you know there will be a day I'm sure where I will carry our own third child hopefully um but we'll get to that so (laughs) and so when did you guys decide to start your family or your your IVF journey so Kayla and I have all we've always been 100% set on having kids it was always in both of our life plans before we met and then luckily they aligned I am the eldest in my family and Kayla's the eldest in hers. So we've always been immersed around other young kids with a bigger family sort of thing. And, you know, I, my qualification is I'm a, I'm a phys ed teacher. So working with kids as well. And Kayla is qualified in childcare. So she's an early childhood educator, always well and truly been a part of our process. Um, So yeah, we just knew that we were quite content with each other about three years ago, three and a half, nearly years ago and decided that was time. And did you want to just step us through really briefly what your IVF or your conceiving journey looks like? Yeah, for sure. So Noah was, well, a long time ago. <laughs> I can't even remember half of the stuff that happened, but in, in right. a wrap, Noah, Noah was IUI. We were really um, fortunate that that worked first try. So Kayla was very in tune with her body. We knew what we were doing, followed the process right, and it happened, which is something we're super grateful for. And then... um. No, uh, Marley was a bit different. So Marley was um, a known donor, and mm-hmm. we kind of and so was Noah kind of a, was an anonymous donor. Yeah, anonymous. Yep. Yeah, donor. Cool. Um, Marley's a known donor, and we did it all ourselves. Once again, very lucky that Kayla's very in tune. Lots of cycle tracking and whatnot that we had to do beforehand anyway. And then yeah, so we tried the first time we tried with Marley. Kayla straight away the next day was like, I know that wasn't the right time. Like I know it didn't work. Um, and she was right. But then the second time we got it right, and so there, there was Marley. Oh, my God. She's incredible, isn't she? My goodness, to oh, be yeah, that in tune with your body. My I gosh. have no idea what's going on. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Maddie was the same after she did the embryo transfer. Like two days later, she was like, yeah, I feel like I'm pregnant. And it's yeah, just, it's crazy. It is. And, I mean, obviously neither of us have felt that. So that's what we're kind of here to talk about, how yeah. how our process was and how our journey was being the non-birth parent but still entering parenthood. And so how did you make the decision that Kayla was going to carry the girls? For Noah's pregnancy, I just I just wasn't ready. I didn't have that intention. I, had, I wanted to be a mum but I didn't want to carry at that point in time. So that was a pretty easy decision. So Kayla took one for the team there and she'd always wanted to be pregnant and she did it so well and, you know, she was a real trooper. And then when it came to Marley's pregnancy, I was kind of in and out of a position of a job. So Kayla's had this job in childcare. She's been with them for a long time, um, whereas myself, I was teaching and um, through discrimination, we'll put it that way, there was the right forum for it. Through discrimination mm-hmm. in my private school, I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't feel accepted or supported and that I belonged. So I decided to leave that job. Um, but you. luckily, 
Yeah, I know. I had it took me a year. It took me a year, but I got there, especially when yeah. the kids come into it. Um, but yeah, so luckily enough for us, the people that run the daycare that Kayla's worked at for a long time, they're just lovely. And I have all of my qualifications for daycare as well. So they took me in with open arms um, and they gave me a job until I lined up where I currently am with the NRL, which is also amazing. But yeah, so at the second pregnancy, I was kind of ready and I, I wanted to give it a go, but we wanted to have a baby and I just job wise wasn't in a position to have a secure position to head back to or anything like that. So once again, Kayla took one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, that's a really interesting point, actually, because Maddie and I are kind of at that crossroads at the moment, to be honest. When we first went through our IVF journey, I had no desire to carry and I was in the same same yeah. boat as you. I was like, oh, pros to being a lesbian like get a baby and I don't have to do any of the work (laughs) got another uterus to uh use but yeah so it was awesome that you know Kayla wanted to carry and did and then Maddie for us carried um but yeah we're at that point now where we're talking about a second one and I actually now do have a desire to carry but we're in the same position with work where I actually have a stable job and so does Maddie but it's in Sydney so it's you know nine hours away from where we live and so if I was to have the kid or if I was to carry then she would have to go back to Sydney and our family would kind of be split which yeah which is really hard so how did you kind of work through the feelings of like Kayla carrying the second one knowing that you kind of had that little desire to did it take Mm. you a little bit of time to come to terms with it it I think I came to terms with it pretty early on, but purely because in our minds at that point in time, there was always going to be a third. So Mm -hmm. we were going to get myself into a position where I could have the third. Um, I think that if I had felt that way the first way around, deciding who was going to carry would have been really hard because Mm -hmm. I'm sure we're going to speak about it anyway, but the connection issue for me was huge in the first pregnancy, but I had no desire to carry. So I feel as though, yeah, if that decision had to be made, where I was in a stable job the second time around and if Kayla did want to carry, that would have been much harder to come to terms with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so how did you feel going through the pregnancy journey, whether you draw from just Noah or just Marley or both, um, mm-hmm. being that support person? Did you Do you have any kind of like stories from the highlights that pop out or how, did, how was that for you? Yeah, for me, obviously, first off, like my wife or my girlfriend at the time, is pregnant super excited like ecstatic like in terms of every aspect of it and then you know the doubt starts to creep in as I'm sure it does with the maternal mother as well you know like am I going to be good enough is this kid going to love me and stuff but then I think that echoes for someone like ourselves when you realize well like in my case I have no genetical ties to either of my children but I'm their mum like well and truly and that's something that I didn't realize when Noah was in the womb like I had it took me I reckon it got to about halfway through Kayla's pregnancy and I freaked out because I was like this kid's not going to know me as their mum like all of this sort of thing and this external noise from family and friends and it was all through good intentions just made that worry like that hype even more like what's going to happen when she's born she's going to look nothing like me because the donor had similar features to Kayla and for those of you who don't know, Kayla's got blue eyes and blonde hair and I've got brown <laughs> eyes and brown hair and I'm tanned and Kayla's wide and, like, yeah. there's just so many differences. And then the one that got me from family and friends that made me really question it was that people go to the worst case. And obviously, like, this is something that people obviously question in themselves and they'd be like, you know, if something happens, what rights do you have and how are you protected against Kayla taking these kids away from you sort of thing? 
So this was kind of all in Noah's pregnancy. Like I had come across all of this and in Marley's, it was way more crazy, way more chill the second time around. But yeah, that's something that I think that spiked my fear and that really freaked me out. Like, and obviously you don't want to think of a worst case scenario, but worst case, what does happen? And then, mm-hmm. then I started to get on Google and then it just spins from there. And yeah, you get really in your own head, I feel, as a support yeah. person. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know if you did any more research into it, um, but I know that we get asked yeah. that question actually so often. And mm-hmm. especially now with starting our page, we get asked it even more frequently. And honestly, I personally don't know. And I know that's not helpful for yeah. people listening, but I know that we signed a lot of forms and I know yeah. that with Maddie and I doing reciprocal IVF and Maddie carrying my egg, I signed over to be like an egg donor. Mm. Um, but I also know that on the birth certificate, birth Maddie certificate. is the birth mother um, yeah. and I'm like the other parent. So I haven't yeah. delved oh, into it. Oh, other parent. Mm. Oh. In WA, so this is another funny story about being a lesbian, I assume. So on Noah's birth certificate, it just says mother, Kayla Hinckley, mother, Georgia Heggs, mm. because we weren't married at that point. But on Marley's birth certificate, even though we filled it out exactly the same way, mother, Kayla Hinckley, and then father, George Higgs. Wow. (laughs) So that's something that, like, (laughs) I don't know how many boxes you have to tick for them to, like, in their head they've obviously just gone, oh, yeah, mum and dad. But Mm. I've ticked female. I've ticked mother. So we've got two different birth certificates for two different kids at the exact same hospital, year and a bit apart, but I don't know. Wow, that's so interesting, isn't Very it? Very strange. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, and... the birth certificate I'm fairly sure gives us the same rights if they were to, if we had to go to court, worst case scenario, which obviously we'll never have to do so. <laughs> yeah, yep. But still an interesting thing that I think a lot of people yeah. uh, you know, kind of intrigued about and I'm sure neither of us will cross that bridge. <laughs> yes. Um in WA I didn't know this until recently, but I believe that you you guys over there can't do reciprocal IVF. Like you can't yeah. be an egg donor unless there's certain reasons. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, there's all different reasonings around certain topics. And like I didn't even know that reciprocal IVF was an option. Like like I said, Kayla does all of this. She deals with all of this. Noah was so long ago, but when you started explaining what you guys did, I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Like I wonder why I didn't think of that. And maybe that's why. Maybe that isn't an option. I would, yeah. I've never asked the question. I don't know anything about that really. but Yeah, I yeah. believe um, we were told that from a, another couple that's in WA that the you can't do reciprocal IVF unless one partner is deemed like infertile, like they oh, okay. can't carry their own eggs um, or I think Good one can't. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I read somewhere that they're, they're trying to change the laws and whatnot and hopefully that soon. But we have met a lot of couples because um, we did our IVF journey in Queensland and we've yeah. met a lot of couples from different states who have come up to Queensland to do oh, yeah. their, their IVF journey because the laws are, I don't know, maybe different, more relaxed. and because we had <laughs> Yeah, well, we had absolutely no issues. We had friends who have done reciprocal IVF, so that's how we knew about it. But yeah, I don't I don't know. How did you feel? You touched on it a little bit before, but how did you feel? Yeah, not being genetically related mm. to the girls. Yeah. So when, when they were when during the pregnancy. During pregnancy. Yeah. So yeah. When when Noah, when Kayla was pregnant with Noah, that's the one thing that I just really got stuck in my own head about. Like I was so worked up about it that you know, like I'd be walking down the shops with this kid in a pram, and in my brain, like we didn't find out what Noah was. 
Kayla and I have also had this discussion that Noah was a complete surprise to us. Obviously, you get the packet of the donor where there's this and this and this and this, and you know what Kayla looks like, but you can't really picture what's what's going to like happen when she comes out and you know was it was she going to be a boy or a girl and for me that made it even harder to form that connection because I genuinely had no idea what was going to happen and I just thought well she's going to have blue eyes she's going to have blonde hair she's going to be little pale skin girl and (laughs) someone's going to be like oh she looks like her dad and to be fair that does happen to me every time I take Noah anywhere but at the same time now I don't care because now if someone says that to me, I don't care about what happened during the pregnancy because I got over it very quickly. But yeah, I was really worked up about it at, in, during the pregnancy. It was something that I would come home upset about because, you know, in my hour and a half drive home from work at school, I was freaking out in the car about it and I'd get home and Kayla would be like, oh, sh- here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now but I'm the Marley, support person and I'm the pregnant one. <laughs> <laughs> but for Marley, like obviously I knew how I, how my connection went with Noah through pregnancy and birth and the second time around, there was no issues there at all. And then I got my little girl with dark hair. So Yeah, yeah, that's it. And and Noah has your tan as well. She's quite Yeah, tan. Noah's got nice brown skin. Yeah, that Dutch yeah, skin. Yeah, which is beautiful. Yeah, it's really interesting that you bring that up because Maddie had an issue where she was carrying a baby that wasn't genetically related to yeah. her. So she was kind of going through those emotions So I think, I guess, maybe I'm a little bit more fortunate in that sense. I still did really struggle because I wasn't carrying, I didn't have those hormones. I wasn't feeling Mm. the kicks all the time and constantly reminded about having a baby. So I would go to work and just go about my day. Whereas, you know, the pregnant person, they're constantly reminded that they're going to be having a baby. Mm. So I totally agree that it's so easy to freak out about how am I going to bond with this baby? And then when you have all that external noise of people asking you how you're going to bond, be like, well, I haven't figured that out yet. So when I find out, I will let you know. And it's really important what you touched on about you don't care now and not that we should have to distance ourselves from that and kind of disassociate, but you have to, you have to forget about, you have to forget about the you know, you're not genetically related or that you didn't carry and you have to find your own ways to form a connection because you guys are a family unit. Were you involved in the like kind of birthing choices or classes or, you know, nursery prep and like how involved did you kind of get and did that help during the pregnancy with Kayla? Um, yeah, so my job at the school was permanently two days a week um, and I picked up relief on the other three. So that kind of made it easy for me to make time to get to Kayla's appointments and whatnot with her, which I felt really good about until they would start talking and I felt like I was, like I feel like unless we went in there and we were like, hi, I'm Kayla and this is Georgia and she's my partner, people just look overlooked me sort of thing, like, oh, she just mm-hmm. brought her friend along for the day, um, which is it's kind of shit that you have to announce. Hey, this is my partner, but like you have to and now that now that I know that like it's something that I think you guys touched on it last week like whenever I walk in somewhere I'm like hey this is my wife Kayla because it just eliminates the question straight away so we kind of tried to do as many of those appointments and whatnot as we could together because we're a very tight unit Kayla and myself and we do mostly everything together in terms of styling the nursery that is Kayla's forte I pretty much get a look in (laughs) well I didn't need to because anything she suggests I'm like oh yeah I love that and then bang she makes it happen like Mm -hmm. you know all the different things that were painted on the girls walls and whatnot Kayla just draws it on and we all just 
pull in together to do it all together sort of thing so that's so fun I think that's a really a really nice way to feel connected and feel a part of the process yeah like it's funny because we're actually the opposite like I'm kind of the the more like ones that styles and yeah, I can see about... myself being very similar. So. Mm-hmm. Very similar. <laughs> so she was kind of, it was probably really funny from her perspective. She was, you know, the one carrying the baby and you're n- normally being nesty and stuff. Yeah, and exactly. I was the one that was like folding all the clothes in the drawer and like picking yeah. out what to buy and stuff. So, but it was, a re- it was, it was one way that it was a hobby of mine and a passion and something I really enjoyed. And then on top of that, it helped me feel like really connected to yeah, and so when both the girls arrived or maybe more specifically Noah because that was the first one yep and kind of the first time that you went through it how did you feel in those really early postpartum days how much time did you kind of get off work to be with Kayla and Noah and then how did that look for you guys that was um possibly still had PTSD from that whole event actually of Noah's birth um but in terms of how it looked after that, Kayla had Well, we, obviously... we can touch on that if you want to. How was it being a support person in labour? Because Maddie oh. had an elective caesarean, so mm-hmm. I <laughs> do not recommend. Oh, my God. So Kayla had preeclampsia. So I worked, for anyone who's listens from WA, I worked in Armadale and we live in the Swan Valley, so it's an hour and a half on a good day in traffic through the Tonkin Highway. Um, so Kayla went in for her first appointment without me at 38 weeks just to get the check. Um, and they pretty much said to her, you have to go into the room to get your monitoring done for an hour. <laughs> and I was like freaking out. I had no idea what was going on. She had no idea what was going on. I had to leave work, drive an hour and a half home through the traffic to get to the hospital. And from there, they pretty much said like, you are super high risk. You have preeclampsia. You, your placenta is probably falling apart inside of you right now. That's how they put it in medical terms, obviously. Um, and you need to come back like on the weekend to give birth sort of thing. So for us, that was so my birthday is the 13th of March. Noah wasn't due until the 3rd of April. And this happened on my birthday sort of thing. Oh um, my gosh. And then, yeah, so we come back. They decided they're going to push us to the Monday because weekends don't have enough staff for high-risk cases apparently. Um, so, yeah, we went in on the Monday to be induced. And that was a, obviously we were both very stressed, very anxious sort of thing. So any exam that had to happen or anything that we had to do was 10 times more stressful than it needed to be which obviously included servidil which for those of you who don't know what that is it's a little tape they wrap around your cervix to make you go into labor and they gave us all the warnings this might happen this might happen this might happen and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong so every reaction you could have had Kayla had it um and we ended up Noah's heartbeat was insane um and they had to physically break Kayla's waters at seven o'clock the next morning so she'd been in labor for like nearly a whole day or whole by day. Then, no a whole day exactly a whole day because we mm-hmm. got induced at 6 a.m on the monday and at 7 a.m on the tuesday they broke her water yeah and then from there i just like pretty much every person that come into the room we had to be like this is this is like my partner this is her other mum, like sort of thing so that people wouldn't just brush me off because they'd be asking mm-hmm. kayla questions and so much was going on and so many cords and everything was attached to her due to the preeclampsia and I was trying to take it all in because I knew <laughs> Kayla was not in the mind frame to take any of it in. Um, and then it got to the tough end of things. And 
they said to Kayla, you either suck it up and give birth to this baby or in five minutes you're going to have a Caesar because otherwise you or the baby or both of you is going to die sort of thing. Like mm. They said you're five yeah. minutes off an emergency Caesar. You've nearly been in labour for 48 hours because it was just insane by that point. But anyway, yeah, so she gave birth. She did it all like a trooper. She had epidural but it stopped working as soon as it came to pushing. Uh, and the lady's like, and I'm that's gonna... really hard for a oh. support person. Like it was so I've hard spoken... to see, yeah. And yeah. she was so tired and in so much pain that there was no way she could advocate for herself. She was just completely out of it. And also, in addition, uh, we had Noah the day of like COVID lockdown. So oh. like they said at midnight tonight, we are locking WA down. Yeah, so and WA mums, was crazy. Oh, insane. So our mums are sitting in the waiting room down the road texting me like crazy, like what's happening? I'm trying to focus on Kayla. And then, yeah, so Kayla gives birth. I had to catch Noah. That was fun. Um, <laughs> the nurse turned around, the midwife turned around and started walking away and Kayla gave one last push, which ended up with literally the bed hanging off. So I caught Noah in my hands. Um, and then after that, Kayla was in and out of consciousness. She'd lost that much blood. It was like insane. So she was in and out of consciousness and this lovely doctor come in and forcefully began to start stitching. And it took me physically after about four or five times of trying to say it nicely, I physically had to touch his shoulder and say, please stop. Because at this point, Kayla's like passed out in pain. Can't even make any more noise anymore to scream. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't give me Noah. They had Noah on Kayla. So Kayla was dropping Noah it was just like, um, it's, uh, it's chaos, utter chaos. So wow. that was like rough. And I felt in that time, I felt like the staff we had at the hospital didn't care who I was. They mm-hmm. just wanted to get their job done. So mm-hmm. once I finally got people to listen to me about how much pain Kayla was in, they were like, okay, we need to stop. You need to give her a spinal block. You need to give her more pain relief and come back. And at that point, the doctor just blew his lid he was like you know oh it's gonna take 20 minutes I need to go home and I was like sitting there in disbelief that is not the priority right yeah now. like in disbelief like I had my like two minute old baby in my hands I had Kayla's blood everywhere like she lost I think nearly just over two liters of blood so oh like goodness. insane after being in labor for nearly 48 hours yeah. um and yeah it took me pretty much standing up in the delivery room and yelling at everyone to remind them that the priority should be this newborn baby and the mum that just gave birth, mm-hmm. not what you're having for dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. And I felt like that was so rough, but yeah, like it, and I'm a very non-confrontational person. Like I'm a Suki la la pushover. <laughs> and I felt like that's what I tried to be the whole time, tried to be myself and stay calm in the situation, but it literally took me to blow my lid for anyone to take me seriously. But I feel like, and I don't know if this is also me being stereotypical, I feel like if I was a man and I was telling the man to stop or Mm -hmm. trying to just be heard, it may have been more well-received than this girl in the corner, this 23-year-old girl in the corner losing her shit. Yes. And I I don't know if that's being stereotypical, but that's how I felt at the time. And how you and 100%. how you feel is valid because you know I don't think any man would think that like think if the no, roles were yeah. reversed they wouldn't be like well yeah. if I was a woman someone would have listened to me and it's such <laughs> such an awful way to have to think in those moments and yeah. I don't know if you also felt the same but I felt 
the same when some things went wrong in Mad's birth and I've had friends who I've spoken to have felt the same when their partner was giving birth but you don't really have that much of a connection with this baby yet like they're two seconds old and you're you're more worried about your partner and you're 100% and so and they're you know going in and out of consciousness Mads was as well and so Mm. Maddie was like well I didn't really know what was going on and I didn't really know the severity of it so I don't know if Kayla was maybe the same Kayla says the same thing yeah. yeah and then so then you're on the other side as this support person like freaking the fuck out like it's such an awful feeling mm-hmm. and I, I totally I totally get that and I'm sorry that yeah, you had that to feel crazy. feel that lack of being heard because nobody yeah. should feel that in that in that situation but it was thankfully very different the second time around the second time around you know it was baby of Kayla and Georgia like it was it was very much different the second time around but yeah that first time around and it was even like obviously we went into lockdown at midnight and Noel was born at 11:55 p.m. So we had 5 minutes there where I knew someone at the hospital and like because the people in our room they weren't letting our mums even mm-hmm. just come and say hello and make sure we were alive and doing well <laughs> which thankfully we all were at that point. Yeah. Um but I knew someone so I pretty much begged her. I was like just let them in the room, say hello, they will go home. And thankfully that happened so our mums got to meet little Noah Jane, our firstborn, um, for about two minutes before they got sent home. Yeah. And then obviously you obviously don't know how it was in WA, but pretty much no one was allowed anywhere. So yeah. the next day when I came back to the hospital, I was the other parent. So I was, in my mind, I was allowed in, mm-hmm. uh, but no one else was allowed in the hospital. But mm-hmm. so when I got there the next morning, this is another judgment, obviously, <laughs> this was terrible for me. I was crying my eyes out. But um, so I walked up to the desk and said who I was there for and the lady didn't open the door and I went to push it and it didn't move and she was like, I just need to check something. I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you know, how do we know that you're not just trying to sneak in? And I was like, what do you mean? My my partner is in there with our newborn baby. She goes, yes, but what if you're just a friend? What? So already they didn't want to let me in because they didn't believe that I was in a same-sex relationship and that was my baby. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. That. I got about four hours of sleep maybe that night and then turned up to the hospital and cried my eyes out <laughs> until they let me in. <laughs> Understandably. My goodness. Yeah, it was terrible, like terrible. That is. And that was that was my first example of, yeah, the passing judgment. It. When I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> a lot of people do it, don't they? And. I don't know about like kind of the hospital system and the um, fertility clinic and stuff that you guys went through, but our fertility clinic is associated, like it's at the hospital that we gave birth at. And I know that they do have Mm. a lot of same sex couples go through. So we, I think overall, were quite fortunate that we didn't have a lot of issues, but even Maddie called up to make an appointment with a midwife and it was like a, a quite a long chat about what it was going to be like to have a cesarean and what the process was going to be like. And the lady on the phone said, oh, don't worry about bringing your hubby. Like he, it's about 90 minutes and he'll just get really bored in the the appointment anyway. So he won't need to come. Mm. And Maddie was like, why did you assume that I'm straight for one? And two, why is it assumed that the husband won't be a part of the process like yeah fucking oath he should be there for a 90 minute appointment about birthing his child so exactly I find it really crazy that you know there there's still there's still so many assumptions and Mm. yours as an example wow that's just 
that yeah it was rough but yeah yeah I hope that when our girls grow up the world will be different I'm sure it will be but yeah yeah and I know that everyone always goes oh gay people just want everything catered towards them or whatever like that but it's it's genuinely all about inclusion (laughs) I know and people say it all the time people are all like oh well you have to make a big deal out of it and I'm like no I just want it to be normalized Mm -hmm. that we are exactly in the same position as my mate who has a kid with his wife we're exactly the same we're a family absolutely doesn't matter what gender I associate as or if I'm in a same-sex relationship or not like it's yeah it's it's crazy to me how some people are still stuck in that that mindset mindset, yeah absolutely it'll change it will and it is getting there it is slowly getting yeah absolutely definitely um and so then how yeah so how much time did you have off and how did you go with bonding with Noah your firstborn and how was those first few weeks with you guys so Noah was it was rough and this is another reason why I have left the school that I was at um so like I said before I only worked the two days um and Kayla gave birth on a Tuesday, uh, yeah, Tuesday, and I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, so I called in sick on the Tuesday morning um, and told them what was going on, and then I obviously was sick on the Wednesday, um, and then I stayed home with them for six days, and then the, when the next week came, I'd obviously told the school what was going on. I'd informed the principal that I'd had a baby, and, you know, I'd, I'd be on my parental leave, and being a suki lala pushover that I am, they knew that, and they pretty much said, well, we don't have anyone to cover your classes. So we don't, we can't get relief for you. We don't have anyone to cover your classes. We expect that you'll be here. And they did the whole, you know, you if you let the kids down sort of thing. And I'm very much passionate. Like one of my passions is sport, obviously. And mm-hmm. I hate when schools take sport off kids. And even though I had just had a baby in the state that I was in, I agreed to go back to work. So I went back to work for those two days uh, cried the whole way there and, and or the whole way home um, and very very fortunate to have our family so close by so my mother-in-law sat with Kayla for those two days um, because Kayla also went back to hospital 10 days postpartum so she wasn't very well the six weeks the six days after I left her and yeah so I went back to work for those two days hated every second of it but mm-hmm. did my job and then it was school holidays then so I took the school holidays off and then expressed to the school that I was having my parental leave two weeks on the other side of the school holidays so four weeks in total so they had more than enough time to sort it out and they still kicked up a stink but I took my two weeks my four my four weeks in total sorry um and yeah just after that I just felt like judged Mm. I don't know I don't know the word for it I was on I was exiled pretty much yeah being a specialist if any of my teacher friends are out there I'm obviously a specialist teacher and you're already on the outer in schools who believe English and math and stuff is way more important than sport and music and drama Mm. um but yeah just going back after that just so much more on the outside like not included in anything I sat in my office I didn't go to the staff room just sort of stuff like that just felt really on the outer and all of a sudden because another bad thing that I did didn't tell anyone that I was in a same-sex relationship at the school in terms of students and stuff, you know, like I'm sure as other teachers would be like, oh, yeah, me and my boyfriend, me and my partner, me mm-hmm. and this. I wasn't allowed to do any of that. And all of a sudden these kids knew that I went and had a baby because very small school, mm-hmm. people talk, and then I could feel the judgment of parents through their kids and the way that they treated me after having Noah. And it was just so toxic. And, yeah, obviously that's why I left in the end. But, yeah. I pretty much had six days off with my first baby, <laughs> then wow. got put back to work an hour and a half away and then, yeah, finally got some time off after that, but it was rough. But still only 
four weeks and you had to stress that your work, you know, wasn't that happy that you were taking those extra two weeks yeah. off. So that and obviously calm and no. And during those, those four weeks I had off, Kayla spent about four days in hospital. So Yep. Wow. And, it was rough. And I know that there's the obvious, like, you weren't able to be there for Kayla and she's having a really hard time postpartum mm-hmm. and, you know, postpartum is not an easy time at all in general. No. But I guess this is more about, like, you being the non-birth parent. And so... Yeah, did, no time to connect. Yeah. Did you feel a disconnection mm-hmm. when you had to go straight back to work? Like, you didn't even get to spend time with yeah. Noah? Definitely, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, obviously I went and I was gone. I left at like 6 in the morning and I was home at 6 at night. So And then there's people really, at really work really who are not, not not believing that you had a baby but not supporting and not celebrating the fact yeah. that you have also just had a child. Yeah. So, yeah, I had obviously had a kid and people were like, oh, it was so rough. We couldn't find anyone to cover sick leave for those two days you took off on such short notice. And I was like, you guys have known for like half a week because this was booked in. This was a booked in induction. Mm-hmm. So you didn't care to find cover. You assumed that I'd be right, but there's no way I'm coming to work the day my first child has been born. Absolutely. And I feel like that was the assumption. I feel like that's what they were trying to push me towards. And they obviously pushed me towards coming back the next week, mm-hmm. but insane. <laughs> and so was it different with Marley? Did you, and so you obviously had a different job with Marley. Yeah, um, I did. So Marley wasn't due until the 18th of January, I believe. I finished up in childcare on Christmas Eve the year before Marley was due because I just landed what was my dream job with the NRL and I knew people in the NRL over here in WA going into the job so I was confident. I told them the whole way through like I'm due a baby so I'll be taking my two weeks at least parental leave and whatnot. Um, and then Marley had other plans as well because Kayla had preeclampsia <laughs> again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were induced on New Year's Eve. So so I'm stressed about starting this new job mm-hmm. that I have. Like, obviously, I'm a phys ed teacher, but I've never done anything like this before in my life. And then I took my two, two weeks straight after Marley was born. And then that put me starting my new job after two weeks of parental leave, two under two, leaving Kayla at home <laughs> once again. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so then I yeah started with the NRL and, like I said, they were super flexible, super accommodating. You know, they wanted me to be at home with my with my new kid and learning at home as how I go. And obviously my boss is one of my good mates now. So they were all good. But, yeah, that was a whirlwind as well. So mm. and two under two and straight back into work. So in definitely a brand new job that easy. I've never done before. <laughs> yes, definitely not easy. Oh, my goodness. That was crazy. You girls have been through the absolute ringer. And how... We love a challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't do things by halves. <laughs> so how did you find ways to I know it would have been so incredibly hard for you to connect with Noah especially and then you would have probably done things a little bit different for Marley your second Mm -hmm. but how did you then go as Noah was growing up trying to in those first few months did you have any specific ways that you tried to do your best to feel that bond or did it was it just time I think it was a bit of both so like when we're feeling when I was feeling up to it my thing like I'm a very well, I used to be before kids, a very active person when I had heaps of time. Um, I so see you get for up for your was, 4 a.m. runs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a struggle, I tell you. Um, but no, so something for me is I used to just like tell myself, all right, we're just going to get out once a day, whether it's myself, Kayla and, and Noah or like my sister spent a lot of time with us as well, um, good old Arnie Tan. Uh, so, yeah, we'd, whether it was in the carrier, which she loved, she loved the full body wrap. 
So that was another way to be close sort of thing. She loved just getting out and getting some fresh air and going around the block. To go right back, Kayla really struggled with the breastfeeding and Noah wasn't having a bar of it. So from right back all the way then, I kind of took a lead at night. So I, you know, did as many of the bottles as I could to make sure that Kayla was getting rest because she was unwell at the start and whatnot and recovering. Um, and Noah slept on me and then we'd get out each day and go for our daily walks and stuff. And I think that anybody that knows Noah knows that she is very similar to myself. So she has a lot of Kayla's traits, but she's also a stooky lala. Um, <laughs> she loves to be outside getting getting messy and doing her thing. Um, and it's but that yeah, whole so... nature versus nurture thing, isn't it, right? Mm, like the environment 100%. that they're raised in. If you're getting outside and you're doing those things and they're partaking in your hobbies, you're naturally yeah, going to... Yeah, both the kids love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's a really nice way to bond. And I think that's a great tip for any... Um, anyone who's becoming a parent but not as a birth parent out there because I found the same thing like I tried my best to Maddie was fortunate enough to breastfeed but I wanted to I felt really helpless like when Macklin cried when she was little I couldn't do anything because all she wanted was Maddie Mm -hmm. and um so yeah, I really tried to implement those bottle feeds at night and I would say, Oh, yeah, I'll we'll get we'll make her a bottle and I'll get up and I'll do that night feed and because anyone who's fed their baby knows how much of a nice moment that is. Yeah, it is. And so I totally agree with you. That's such a, a nice way for the non birth parent to get involved with that feeding and it's just a moment of silence between like you and the baby and you get to kind of take them in because mm. I didn't give her her first bottle properly, just like one on one ask for I don't know, probably like a few weeks or like quite some time while they were trying to establish everything. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I did that first bottle feed with Macklin when I was like, this is such a rare moment. Like it's not often that you sit there and take them in and really enjoy them and you're so close to them and and everything. So yeah, super great, super great way for the non-birth parent to get involved. Mm. Um, But I think going like you have had such a roller coaster of a journey you and Kayla and you as the non-birth parent as well just with the assumptions and yeah. kind of the turmoil that you've experienced is it really highlights that we have such a long way to go and we have definitely had I know that there's one <laughs> there's one particular moment that is highlighted for me and I think it was more of like it made me feel like shit as the non-birth parent and it was kind of I guess like embarrassing or whatever but we went to a postpartum checkup and Macklin was probably I don't know two months old or something and I because I work near the hospital I went in and I booked her in for the appointment a few weeks prior and so my name was on the file and yada yada and so when we went in for the appointment when we were walking out, the nurse calls out in front of the entire waiting room to the reception lady. She said, oh, can you just make sure to take Rochelle off as the mum and put Maddie on as the mum because oh, she's the oh one breastfeeding goodness. and just put Rochelle down as the other parent in front of the entire waiting no, room. that's terrible. And I was that is like, actually terrible. Yeah, and I was like, you just completely, you, you just, just called me not a mum, basically. Yeah, wow. yeah, which... um. And just everyone was staring and yeah, it was a an awful feeling as you felt when they wouldn't let you into the room and yeah. nobody listened to you when Kayla was giving birth and 
And so I definitely think we still have such a long way to go in terms of other people recognizing the birth Mm. parent because it's already hard enough to create that bond, right? You're not the one carrying, you don't have those hormones. And so it's hard enough to believe. Someone explained it to me the other day and they said that they feel like a fraud. Mm. And honestly, the amount of times I have actually genuinely felt like that I'm like I don't feel like the parent sometimes yeah I don't feel like the mum when I say daughter sometimes because Macklin's only nine months old so it still kind of feels a little bit foreign to me and I've had people ask me you know how the birth was and like when I say that I have a daughter and Mm. and yeah they just say like how I went back to the gym and I said oh you know I've got a two-month-old so I've got to kind of work around that blah 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 and I know that it, it's an easy assumption, but he goes, wow, you look great for just having a baby. Yeah, but then you have that. to like People say make that all the time. That. Yeah. And so I think it goes back to us being like, when you first walk into a conversation, you have to say wife or you have to say she. It's kind of like you have to say you're the one that didn't have the baby. Yeah. Which is like, it's, a, it's yeah. such a kind of feeling on its own as well. But it's um, got to be done. Otherwise we it, open ourselves up to all those sort of comments after. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, And I think that my best way to bond with Macklin is, yeah, just so small moments. Like you said, like it's a kind of a constant task to be present and be there and remind yourself that you are their parent and you are worthy and you are still the exact same, um, even if you didn't give birth to them. So it's it's a constant it's a constant process and did you feel like it got easier with Marley like you said that you didn't you cared less yeah that's that's it that's the key there so Mm -hmm. I got so worked up every time someone would say something like that to me with Noah like you know she must look like her dad or you know like you look good for just having a baby just little comments like that but now like if someone says that to me when I have Marley like for example I took her for a walk the other day when she was off sick with me and this guy walked past me and said, wow, she must have beautiful eyes like her dad. And, like, in my head, if that was Noah, I would have just gone, oh, yeah. But now I have Marley and, I, you know, Noah's three years old now. And I said, yeah, you know, she does. She has beautiful eyes just like her other mum. <laughs> because oh, you have to just, you. like, you know, like, that's it. She does have beautiful – Kayla has beautiful eyes. And the girls both are fortunate enough to have the same eyes as Kayla. So why not own it? Why do I mm. care what that man thinks? <laughs> I'll put Absolutely. him in his place. Let him know. Don't assume. <laughs> And then he, you know, it will make him sec- – and it's hard that we have to be put in those awkward and, and difficult situations, but it will make them second guess yeah, next assuming time. next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not meant to be malicious. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a dig. Yeah, we went to an appointment yesterday and we got in the elevator and it was closing really fast and Maddie stuck her hand into like keep it open kind of thing and she was holding Macklem. And there was a guy already in the elevator, a worker, and he said, oh, are you going to go home and tell daddy how mummy almost got her hand stuck in the elevator? Like I was standing right there next to Maddie. <laughs> but Yeah, that's what I mean. We're in oversight sometimes. Yeah, hey? yeah, it was like I was kind of non-existent. I didn't exist in that elevator. Yeah. But yeah, definitely still a long way to go. But good on you for, for saying those little things. And and if no, if we don't say it, then nobody will, you know, and we won't get better. Exactly. So. They'll never know. <laughs> That's it. But you are doing such an incredible job as Noah and Marley's mum. And I have had the absolute honour of talking to you today. Thank you so much. This topic is so important to me. And I know that I struggled with the bond. And I know that a lot of other non-birth parents 
struggle with the bond as well. I think, yeah, it's maybe different being a dad, you're the non-birth parent, but you don't have those hormones that females have. And I found myself maybe a little bit more wanting to be that nurturing sort of person. Whereas the dads don't have that, them hurdles to jump through where they're not assumed to even be the parent. So yeah, but thank you so, so much for talking to me. You're an absolute legend and you guys are doing, (laughs) you you guys are doing the best job and really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Appreciate it. I think it's a really important topic and I'm so glad that there's something like a forum that like this now, because I tell you what, if I had heard something like this when I was having Noah, I would have 100% been able to question myself less and just believe in myself more. Yes. And that is, that is the key. It takes time to form that bond and as a non-birth parent and yeah, you've got to, you've got to be confident in yourself, remind yourself that you absolutely are worthy and you are their parent and block out all the noise, block out the haters. That's it. (laughs) Definitely. hundred percent. Amazing. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and thank you so much. Thank you. See you later. Thank you all so much for listening today. If you'd like to connect with us and stay up to date with our day-to-day life as well as future episodes, you can do so on our socials at those.2mums. We absolutely love bringing you these conversations each week. So if you love it too, please subscribe and leave us a review. Chat to you all next week. Bye.